0: Like there's so many there's so many lyrics up there that could just flow right into that. Most of them are not appropriate, so just letting you know. Grew up grew up at the beginning of the gangster rap era, so you've been warned. If something happens; it's not my fault. I'm a sinner. Man, it is good to see you guys this morning. Thank you so much for being here, and uh, man, what a what a great morning. I I, I was just uh, you know we were singing that last song. I was sitting here thinking just. And I, I know we know this, but um, we're really blessed uh, with the worship team that we have, with our worship pastor that we have. Uh, it, it's the little things. You know, I go, some, sometimes I get to go somewhere else to worship, and I, and I enjoy doing that. Usually when I do, just being honest is not a prideful thing whatsoever, usually when I do that, I'm just reminded of how blessed we are as a church uh, in so many ways and what the Lord has done here. But, uh, you know, even just as we were singing those songs a minute ago, I was just thinking to myself, every every one of these songs is theologically, like, hidden. You know, it's not like, you know, we came in and sang, you know, I don't know, sanctuary or I don't know. I'm, I'll pick some song, make somebody mad if I keep going. But anyway, you know, there's just a whole, there's a whole, there's a ton of songs out there that are, you know, uh, 10 miles wide and about one inch deep, you know, when it comes to, you know, and I, I just, I love that we get to sing songs that are, you know, just a reminder of the gospel of who God is and what he's done for us. So anyway, I don't know where that came from, but that was free. Uh, it's, uh, it's good to be with you this morning. We're, uh, we're in, uh, 1 John. We started this series, uh, the Word of Life, uh, and if you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn to First John with me. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers have Bibles, they will bring you a Bible. You can keep it if you don't own one. Uh, we'd love for you to have it, uh, and, uh, if nothing else, i would just love for you to follow along in God's Word as we're studying through First, Second, and Third John. We started this last week, uh, and, uh, this is, uh... It's a great thing already, and uh, already it's like mowing me over, but it's been good uh, in a good way. It's like, man, it's just the reminders of like these things today, you know, no different. You know, we're getting some reminders of, of who God is, what he's done for us, um, his greatness, uh, all that stuff. So yeah, we're, I'm, I'm excited about this. Let me say this, let me throw this out there real quick. Uh, we have a couple spots left on the fishing trip that is this week, uh, if any of you would like to go. Uh I'm sure some of you have vacation time. It's for the Lord. We're fishing for the Lord this week, okay? So uh, you know, you go if you need if you need a pastor's note, uh, if you need a doctor's note, I know some. I don't know. Maybe we can get them to write one. Uh, you know, but uh take take a little vacation or something. I don't know. We're seriously, we we leave on Thursday, uh, we'll drive all day, we'll fish all day Friday, we'll come back on Saturday. I'm sure I'm going to be ready next Sunday. So, but uh, anyway, we uh, we'd love for you to go. We do have we do have a few spots left. We'd love love for you to come go with us uh, if you do want to go. Uh, go see them at the welcome desk out front after the service. All right, First John chapter two. We managed to kill chapter one in one week. It probably should have been two. Uh, it was a little long and it's because it was really probably like two messages, but that's okay. Uh, and uh, we're trying, trying to make this like our summer thing and we kind of got it lined out so I trying to stick to the stick to the program here. so uh, but uh, first John chapter 2 today, we're just going to catch uh, uh, several verses here on the beginning of this chapter today together. And uh, in this passage we see uh, John, we talked about this last week, the Apostle John, Uh, you know, wrote this. And we talked about all these reasons why, like, if you're going to get like somebody to be the expert on Jesus, you want it to be John because he's the guy, you know, he's like, he's been there. He's been with Jesus through the ministry, all these things, by the way, congratulations to the Lewis's. they got a new baby. Uh, But uh, (laughs) everybody online right now is going to be like, what? I'm not even going to explain anything. I'm just leaving it. Uh, and so, but uh, no, uh, you know, the, the great thing about John is like, this is the guy. This is Jesus' beloved. He's the guy that Jesus is like, you're going to hang out with my mom when I'm gone, okay? You know, he's, you're, you're her son now. She's your mom. You help take care of her, you be with her. He's standing at the foot of the cross with Mary when Jesus dies. He goes and sees the empty tomb, he hangs out with Jesus after the resurrection. In the room, also has breakfast after their fishing trip. See, the Lord wants you to go, um, and then, uh, and then, I mean, just, I mean, all the things. John is the guy, and and so we, of course, we have the Gospel of John. But then we, basically, I really feel like the Lord used what was happening in the culture in that moment to push John to write these letters because these letters are almost a bit of a. And I talked about this last week, they're almost a bit of a response to what was going on around him and around the people in in those areas at that time where so many people were talking about Jesus, but they weren't telling truth about Jesus. They had made Jesus out to be who they wanted him to be. And they were literally starting their own religions that might include Jesus, but not for anybody. It was like exclusive Jesus, you know, and like, you know, all kinds of stuff. And so we talked a little bit about that last week, I won't to go too far into it. And so anyway, John writes these letters, and, and, and he's, you know, talked about this too, that he's really repetitive in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. And, and one of the reasons is because he wants people to know who Jesus really is. He's like, I'm going to tell you 10 times. What I know about this particular thing about Jesus, so that nobody is left wondering who Jesus is and why he came. so here we see John kind of taking a little bit of a turn in, in his in his uh, direction uh, of who he's speaking to in, in, ver- in chapter one, we kind of definitely got like he's speaking specifically to you know these things that are kind of going on in culture and I, I had this conversation with somebody. Uh, a couple days ago, and they said, "You know, I'm studying some of this too." And I, I mentioned the whole, you know, John and you know why I thought he was really getting after it on some of this stuff, you know, and how it was so uh, needed in that culture. And they were like, "Hey, it's needed in this culture," and and, he, and they were right. It is. It is. And so, First John chapter two, verse one. I want us to read this together. It says this, and we're going to read one through six here. It says, uh, "My little children, my little children." I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but for also for, for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know Him. If we keep His commandments, whoever says... I know him, but does not keep his commandments as a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Let's pray for that. God, I just ask that you would just speak through your word, God, I pray that you would just cut to our hearts. Lord, help us to see what you want us to see. Help us to know you more. Lord, I pray for anyone that doesn't know you, that came in here not knowing you, not having you as their Savior today. God, I pray that today you would save them. God, I pray that today they would walk out of here with a new relationship. One that changes their lives, one with you. God, we thank you for the chance we have to spend this time in your word. Bless it and be honored by it. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. This passage starts, my little children. This is this is a bit of a turn. This is this is he he's gone, he's gone at this point from talking to really kind of opponents, like discussing and talking to kind of some of the opponent type things that were going on in the culture that I was just talking about a few minutes ago, these uh, extra religions and things going on, world religions, cults, if you want to call them that, that kind of thing. Uh, And then now, he's speaking to followers. My little children, he says, I am writing these things, verse 1, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. He says, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, you know, this is this is, uh, you know, I, sin is sin is sin. You know, it's one of those things. It's like we all have sin that we struggle with in our life, and we all want to overcome sin and we all want to leave sin behind, right? And 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 the truth is, is that we know these things about sin. We know that sin seeks to destroy us. Okay, we seem to not be able to remember that in the moment. A lot of times of like. Oh, that looks nice and shiny. Let's do that, you know. Um, And then in the aftermath, we realize, oh, that hurt me and sometimes even hurt people around us because of decisions that we followed through with that we know God doesn't want us to. I think as a child, you know, it's easy to look at, you know, the idea of God and sin and those things and think to yourself, you know, God must just be this guy who just you know really likes playing games with us you know he likes he likes you know well here's this here's this beautiful thing over here but you can't have it you know kind of thing and and enjoys this or something and and that's actually the furthest thing from the truth he wants us to enjoy his creation he doesn't want us to sin because he knows what sin will do to us and he loves us he loves us so much so that he sent his son to die for us he's speaking to us here followers of Christ and he's saying I'm writing to you these things so we have some purpose here of why he's spending the time to do this he says I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin that you may not sin and I hear that and I go man that sounds awesome That sounds so great. I mean, I I would love to not have any sin in my life, right? That would be so fantastic. He says, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And the truth here is, and we know this from all of Scripture and and other things that John will be teaching us, uh, you know, as we continue on here, uh, that John knows that we will sin, And the Lord knows that we will sin, and that's why we have an advocate, right? An advocate. You know, I I don't know uh, if you've ever had someone speak up on your behalf for you to be your advocate in a situation where you needed someone. Maybe, Maybe everybody else around you didn't believe in you in that moment. You know what I'm talking about? Probably, I, it's hard for me when I, when I think about these things and talk about these things, I, it's hard for me to not think about the justice system, the court of law. I see, you know, Jesus as our counselor standing in front of the judge, you know, not, not even saying that we're without sin, but saying that he took our sin for us, you know. For us to have an advocate, it's a huge, it's a huge piece of the puzzle. Whenever I think about that, I can't help but think about Jake Lockhart, you know. And, and when I think about Jake, you know, I think about all of the people over the years that I have seen Jake represent. Now, if you don't know Jake, Jake is one of the guys in our church. Uh, he's got other family members here that won't, won't claim him, but that's okay. Uh, but, uh, no. but uh, you know, when Jake, when Jake has, over the years, he's a, he's a public defender, and he carries a lot of the really big trials and things like that. And, uh, and in doing so over the years, one of the things that I've always thought is like, if I'm ever in trouble, I want Jake. If nothing else, he's got these like solid colored suits. You know, he'll like show up, he'll be on Channel 5 getting interviewed in like a red suit. And he'll be like, is this Santa Claus or the public defender? I'm not sure. You know, I love it. I love it. I love Jake. And I love his heart. And, and, and Jake, long time ago, told me, he said, you know, we had a conversation. I said, what's it like to do what you do? And, and the main thing that he always tells me, when he, and he's, I've heard him say this several times, he's like, Chris, I really feel like that the Lord has put me in this situation to make sure that people, uh, and, the, and these are people in a lot of these situations that are not very popular with the public, if you understand what I'm saying. But he says, I, I want to make sure that the people get a fair trial, that they have good representation, and that, you know, the truth comes out. You know, and so, you know, and I love that, you know, and I I think here when we think about Christ as our advocate, I think about he's doing something for us that no one else would be willing to do if they knew everything about us. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we got got sin, we don't, nobody knows about her, you know, unless we're, you know, if we're not confessing any of it to anybody, you know, or whatever. I mean, and so the truth is, is that we're called, we're called to confess, We're called to confess to the Lord, we're called to confess to one another, we're called to run from it. And there's other things that can help keep us from sin, and John's going to list that out. He's going to help us with that today. Verse 2, it says, he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. There's that word that comes up in Scripture. In fact, it comes up uh, I believe, four times in Scripture, okay? Uh, we have it right here, propitiation. We have, it, we have it right here. We also have it in the book of Hebrews, um, yeah, Hebrews 2. And then we have it later in 1 John chapter 4, and that was actually on the screen earlier in the service if you didn't catch it. And then we have this one in Romans 3, 23. I want to read this with you. Romans 3, 23, and it says this. This may sound familiar for some of you. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So right here off the bat, we're talking about sin. Talking about, you know, can we be without sin, whatever. This is, this is for all have sinned. It's a level playing field. We're all, on the, we're all on the same place, okay? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, it says, and are justified by his grace as a gift, as a gift Okay, that's so important, to things we're going to talk about in a minute. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith. In Jesus. Propitiation. This term, I want to read this little excerpt to you to, to help maybe with and understand this term because it's not a word that we throw around a whole lot. And says this in the Gospel Transformation Study Bible. It says this key term refers to a sacrifice which satisfies the just wrath of God for sin. I'm going to read that again. It refers to a sacrifice which satisfies the just wrath of God for sin. And it goes on, it says, as it is applied to Christ, we learn that through his death, Jesus absorbed the just wrath of God toward us for our sin and thereby opened the way for God's full favor to be shown to all who believe. This profound change of our situation provided by Christ's propitiation for our sin, produces in our hearts a deep gratitude. So it's this understanding that Jesus has come and taken what we deserved. He took death. What did first the first part of that Romans passage say? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We know throughout Scripture, we understand that sin has a consequence and that consequence is death. So our sin deserves death. If we got what we deserved, we would get death. And it wouldn't be like death with, you know, getting to go hang out with like, you know, a bunch of precious moments angels or something. It would be death, you know, bad death. Dad, talking about hell here, okay? Not like, you know, eternal life with the Lord and all this happy worship and all this kind of stuff that we're going to get to experience for those who have followed Jesus, but something very different, something not good. For us this morning, this is a piece of the puzzle that is so important for us to understand, so important for us to get, that Jesus took the death that we deserve. He stood in front of the judge, and he wasn't just our counsel. He wasn't just the person that was on our side. He wasn't just the person pleading our our case. He looked at the judge and said, Give me what they deserve. That's what Jesus did for us. That's what Jesus did for us. If you look at verses 1 and 2 together, really, uh, they are what our justification is founded on. Justification is this idea that he's making us right in the eyes of God. That Christ's life and his death make him The perfect sacrifice. Nobody nobody else could do this, you know. Jason Pennington walked in here and said, hey, I'll die on the cross for you. I hate to tell you, but it's not going to help, you know. We needed Jesus to do it. As perfect as Jason is, he still has some sin in his life. I know that's a surprise to you, okay. Love, Penny. But Jesus had no sin which made him the perfect sacrifice. The perfect sacrifice. Think about the Old Testament. What did they sacrifice? The very best. They take the very best, oftentimes a lamb. Jesus is the perfect sacrificial lamb. Jesus is enough for anyone who believes in him. And that's, that's a big question for you today. Maybe you're, maybe you're here today. Maybe, maybe you've never believed in Jesus. Maybe you've heard a lot about it. Maybe you grew up in church. There came a point in my life. I grew up in church so much. I mean, like, you know, I was a preacher's kid, lived at church, especially during the summertime. My parents didn't hire babysitters. And so I just, I just go hang out in the church. I learned how to pick locks in the church. I can take you down the street to a church where I can pick locks with a paperclip more locks than you would believe. I had students when I was a youth pastor who did not believe that story. And we were on a mission trip one time, and we were staying in a church. And I—and they they'd they heard this story or whatever, and there was some room that we had to get into to get something, and nobody was in the middle of the night. And I forget why we needed to get in there, but anyway, they were like, well, we can't do it. And I was like, get me a paperclip." I was like, we're going in. They're like, no, we're not. And I was like, you give me five seconds, we're in that door. And we were. We were. I'm proud of that. (laughs) But there came a moment in my life where (laughs) practically living at the church part of my life didn't mean that I knew Jesus and I came to this understanding of that that I knew a lot about Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus. Folks, there's a difference. There's a difference about having knowledge of somebody and knowing them and having a relationship with them. And folks, that's what we're talking about today. goes on here in verse 3. It says, And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. And by this, by this, he's talking about if we're following the Lord, if we're keeping his word, we will have a changed life. Look at it again. Verse 3, and by this, we know that we have come to know him, know him, right? Not know about him, know him if we keep His commandments. like Now come on, Chris, we know, we, we, we've already covered that we're sinners, we already covered that we're still going to sin, we've already covered, you know, that these are parts of our life, how are we supposed to keep His commandments? You see, when we've been saved, when God changes our lives, and we have trusted in Him and believed in Him, for His grace, To give us righteousness in the eyes of God, He's not making us perfect in ourselves. We're still sinners. So, well, then how are we going to keep commandments? No, this is talking about a desire to do this. Okay? He He knows we won't keep all the commandments. That was the problem beforehand. We just sang that song. I love that song. You know, where Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, He came to fulfill it. Right? You know, we couldn't keep the commandments. That was the issue to begin with. God knew this, and that's why he sent Jesus to die for us, that in him, in him, we could find salvation. Following the Lord. By this, by this, he's saying, for people that are following the Lord, keeping his commandments, keeping his word, it shows the proof of a changed life. It shows the proof of a changed life. Does this describe you? The fruit that's fallen off the tree of your life today? What is, what's falling off the tree of your life today? What, what kind of fruit are you putting out there for everybody? Is it nice fruit? Is it, you know, he's good people fruit? You know, what is it, you know? There's an assurance of our salvation here that by the fruit of our lives, we are reminded that we truly are Christ followers. We see from the things that come from our lives. And this is backwards of the way that we want this to work usually, and it's just because we're sinners and we so desperately like want to earn things, right? We want to work for things. And we want to do good things so that God will be happy with us Uh, Or others will be happy with us and to earn our salvation. But we can't do this. It's not about our works. In fact, Ephesians 2 verse 8 says this. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not, not as a result of works. So that no one may boast. Now I want you to pay real close attention. I I know several of you are very familiar with this verse, this passage. I want you to hang tight. Because it helps, it helps lay this out First, Verse 10, it keeps going, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There's that walk talk right there. Do you see that? We have that later on in this passage in 1 John too. So by his grace, we've been saved, not by our works. It's a gift. God has given it to us. All we can do is receive it, okay? We can't earn it. We can't make God happy enough. And this is, this is like the opposite of, you know, so much of, of, you know, what happens and what people get taught, or I think what people grow up hearing from churches, which is this legalism approach of you've you got to be good enough to make God happy, oh, you better you better not be out on Saturday night doing that. You'll go to hell. I love those conversations. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, really? Whoa! Like, how, how is doing that gonna send you to hell? And they're like, uh, well, I mean, you know, you know, that's you know, gonna make God unhappy with you. And that's how that's how it's gonna be. No. It's not. It's not how it's going to be. It's not how it is. Where our eternity is spent is solely based on whether or not we know Jesus is our Savior. Not on who we are or what we've done. But you see what this passage is helping us to understand here is that it goes on. It it doesn't just say that, that for By grace you've been saved through faith, not by your own works, not a result of your works, so that you may boast. He says in verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk, walk in them. What it's saying here is that when we've been saved when God has done this amazing work in our lives and forgiven us and brought us salvation, our response is good works. Not the backwards of that. Not the, oh, I'm going to go to church a whole lot and I'm going to help my neighbor and I'm going to be a really good person and, you know, and that's going to save me. No, it's not. <laughs> Those things should be the response of who Jesus is in our life and how he's changed us. That's the gospel. The other is legalism, and you can never win at it. It's always a failure. And not only is it always a failure, it's all about us, and it's nothing about Jesus. Jesus is enough. We are not. We need Jesus. Verse 4, it goes on. It says, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. This is where it like, gets a little tense. It's like, oh, what? Oh, man. Say that again. For who, it says, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. To know him. To know him, we were talking about that just a few minutes ago, is talking about having a relationship with Jesus. I can't tell you if you have a relationship with Jesus or not. I might see the fruit from your life if you do or not. I, you know, If we spend enough time together, I would hope that I would. I hope, th- I hope that you would see it in mine. If we spend enough time together, I hope that you would see it in mine. I hope that you wouldn't just assume it because I'm a pastor. Because I'm afraid there's probably some of those rolling around that are not. But to know him here means to have a relationship with him. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I don't, I don't want to be a liar. <laughs> you know? Liar, liar, pants on fire is not what I want on my tombstone. Okay? And here's, and here's a question. In the scripture of what it's talking about here, a liar to who? Who, who would we be lying to? We, we can't be lying to God. Can't possibly be lying to God. I think, I think possibly others. I think, yeah, we might be lying to others. But, I mean, let's face it, most, most of the time, if somebody's lying to us, we usually know it. And that's true for us with our walk with the Lord. Even if it's somebody that doesn't know Jesus, and this is actually what keeps people away from the faith so many times, is because they know someone who claims they are a Christian, but the fruit of their life shows something completely different. So I'm afraid that the lying that we think that we might do in those situations oftentimes is uh, not fruitful, (laughs) no pun intended, But also, I think secondly, who we're really lying to is ourselves. Think about that. Satan's greatest lie for us to believe is if he can get us to believe a lie to ourselves. Because if he does that, he's got us right where he wants us. We think one thing, we hang our hats on it, we ascribe to it, but if it's not really truth in our life, man, and that's where, that's where Paul and other people in scripture just talk about how we just have to be really honest with ourselves. We've got to examine our hearts. We've got to make sure that we understand and that we know that Jesus really is our Savior. And Listen, I don't say any of that today to try to cast cast doubt on a believer that might be here today to get them to go, I'm not sure if I'm a believer or not, and get you to walk the aisle. That's not not it. I just want people to make sure that they know, that they know Jesus as their Savior. Verse 5, it goes on, it says, But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. I'm going to read that again. I love this verse. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. You know, this, this statement here, the love of God is perfected in us. I, I, I love this statement. Every, I, when I come to this statement, I just stop. And I just, I, I'm in awe that there is something that God wants to do in me and that it is something of his and it is his love and it can be perfected in me? Have you seen me? I mean, I'm a hot mess most of the time, okay? You know? that his love might be perfected in me, that he would want to do something like that in me. This statement speaks of something special, supernatural, unbelievable. And it's speaking of it happening in us. You see, John's not saying that we'll never sin again. On the contrary, that when we do, God's grace still covers it. But that we also but that we will also, in our life's trajectory, that our life's trajectory will change from our old life before knowing him too. It's the process of sanctification being worked out, little by little, little by little. The more we know Christ, the more we, we become more like him. The more time we spend with him, the more we understand about him. The more our lives change. Sin is the enemy here. Sin's the enemy, and the truth is, if we're going to combat sin in our life, there's a couple things we need to do. We need to be ready to confess it. Confess it to him. We need to be ready to confess it to somebody else that we trust. Talked about that last week. And we need to run from it. It seeks to destroy us. Like, we have to see it for what it is. And quit going, well, I really kind of like it. Yeah, but it's hurting you. And it's probably hurting people around you because that's what sin does. And if you're like me, I, wanna, I, w- I want to slay the sin in my life. But the truth is, is I can't do it alone. I need Jesus to do it. And he has on the cross. He has set me free from it. But Satan wants me to believe that I'm still a slave to it. But that's a lie because Scripture teaches that the chains are gone. I'm no longer handcuffed to that sin. But yeah, we still do it, don't we? It's kind of that whole, what they say about uh, definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. I don't think that's the actual definition for insanity, but it sounds good. The way he walked the way he walked i think about this verse 6 passage here it says whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked the same way in which he walked so here's how this plays out we are saved by grace we come into a relationship with jesus It changes our lives. The fruit that we bear in our life looks like Christ. It's Christ-like. It's like stuff that comes from the Lord. It is His love. It is His care for others. It is His ministry for others. And then we have this, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked, talking about Jesus, how Jesus walked. And I could not help but think of Matthew sixteen twenty four when I read that. And it says this in Matthew sixteen twenty four. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? The obedience that Scripture teaches about isn't about earning God's love, okay? Like f- keeping his commandments, keeping his word. It's not about earning his love. It's just an aspect of our lives that is showing the fruit Showing the proof, the evidence of who Jesus is in our life. And then it's real. It's not a lie. You remember the OJ trial? Some of you don't even know who OJ is. You have to go Google it later, okay? <laughs> it's really hard to explain if you didn't live through it, by the way. I'm still confused about it. Maybe Jake can help us with it later. But OJ is a famous football player of murdering somebody, maybe he did, maybe he didn't, I don't know, I'm not here, not here to talk about that. But the famous, this is like a famous trial that was televised, okay, and so a lot of things happening including a lot of, you know, TV coverage and all this stuff, there was a Bronco involved, that's probably the best part to be honest with you. Um, anyway, um, his, his, his defense, his attorney, was a guy named Johnny Cochran. And Johnny gets in front of the court, and there was this glove in question, okay, that was thought to be part of the, the crime, and it, whoever committed this crime, you know, that they had been wearing this particular glove. Well, O.J., of course, football player, big old guy, whatever. Johnny gets the glove, and he's in front of court, and I mean, this sucker's smart. Boy, he's slick. And he gets up there, and he says, he's got O.J. up there, and he says, O.J., I want you to take out that glove, and so he takes out the glove in front of the court and everything going on, TV cameras rolling and all that, and he says, O.J., put the glove on. And he starts to put the glove on. He can't, he can't get it on. It's too small. The glove is too small. Johnny lets the silence roll for a second, and he says, everybody, take notice. If the glove don't fit, you must acquit. I've actually seen an interview more recently of the other side of the aisle and uh, the lawyers that were trying to prosecute the case. And I saw one of them say recently, when he said that, I knew we were dead in the water. I think for us, We need somebody in our life. Maybe it's not Johnny Cochran, but somebody to be our advocate. Somebody to stand for us, to do what we can't do, to speak on our behalf, to tell, not necessarily of our goodness, but of theirs. And his name is Jesus. The life of a believer shows that we belong to him, that our conduct, that in keeping his word, that in loving others, this is our evidence in this world for people to see Christ in us. John Wesley's mom Susanna wrote in his Bible as he took off from home this statement in the beginning of it. Sin will keep you from this book but this book will keep you from sin. Lastly, Psalm 119.11 says this. You really want the real answer of how we defeat sin in our lives? Here it is. Psalm 119.11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Folks, if we're not pursuing Jesus, if we're not pursuing his word, then we're missing the greatest weapon that we have against the sin in our life. His word defeats it. Or his relationship with us builds us up, gives us at times the eyes to see more clearly what's in front of us and the decisions that we're making. So the question begs, does your life show that you belong to Jesus? Are you walking in the manner he walked? You talk the talk, walk the walk, you know those sayings? These speak to evidence in our lives and who we belong to. We are walking as those who know God, walking like Jesus. Or we are walking in this world. One way or another, we are walking. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us, help us with our sin. God, you have already slayed it in our lives. God, you have freed us from it. Yet we 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 turn it, we're turning right back around and going back in the cell. God, help us to just walk away. Help us to see clearly the destruction that is caused from these things in our life. God, thank you for loving us enough to help us to understand these things. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you that it is not based upon how good we are of whether or not you love us or whether or not we can have salvation, but God, based upon how you loved us through your son, Jesus, through the cross, through an empty tomb. God, we thank you for what you've done in our lives. God, today for anybody that's never trusted you to be their Savior, never believed in you to be their Savior, God, I pray that you would do that work right now. God, I pray that they would come talk to me, even literally right now, out in the foyer. God, I pray that you would just draw them near to just come and say, I need somebody to pray with me. I want today to know Jesus as my Savior. God, do that work in their lives. God, thank you that we can come thank you, that we can come to you, worship you, have a relationship with you. God, may it grow in all of us. We ask this today. In Your son's name. Amen.